And welcome back. This is Daily Buddhism, audio show number 71, recorded June 27th, 2014. My name is Brian Shell, and I'm your host for the show. You can find the text as well as all links mentioned in this program and all past episodes on the website at dailybuddhism.com. Couple quick announcements. If you're not signed up for the email letter, go to dailybuddhism.com and sign right up. It's free and just as easy as ever to sign up. If you enjoy the podcast and website, follow me on Twitter. My handle at Twitter is the little at sign Brian Shell. B-R-I-A-N-S-C-H-E-L-L. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Google+, and all the other usual places. There are links to everything on the site. And I also just released my latest book detailing my stay in Japan from a few years ago. It's called Teaching and Learning in Japan, an English Teacher Abroad. It's a long book detailing my day-to-day activities and misadventures living in Japan, pretty much on my own there. If you've ever heard me start a story with, in Japan, and were curious, then this is the book for you. There's a link at dailybuddhism.com japan. And now, let's get on with this week's show. Our first article is written in by a reader, as usual. And this person writes in, My question is, How do I learn to be compassionate for someone who isn't doing the same for me? I experienced what I can only describe as bullying from my former boss in my last workplace and had to leave. I tried to show loving kindness to my previous boss and calmly stood my ground, but nothing changed. I left and took the fixed term contract just to get out of the situation, and now my contract is nearly up. As a result, I need a reference, but my former boss has refused to do more than acknowledge I worked there. Although we had our differences, I feel that I did a lot of good in my job, and I believe that this is an unfair response on his part. I can, of course, ask someone else for a reference, and his actions will not prevent me from getting another job. But I feel that his actions are unfair, and I have felt at various points like I should be angry, or confront him about his actions, even though I know all of this is futile. I realize, of course, that the only thing I can change is my perception. Can you or your readers advise some meditation practice or teaching that might help me pass this? And my response is, some bosses are wonderful people, while others have issues. There's nothing you can do about it. If this was some simple misunderstanding, You could talk to him and work it out, but that doesn't seem to be the case here. He simply doesn't like you. Probably in his eyes you have done something wrong. Whether you agree on this point or not is irrelevant. Buddha once said, the more you wrestle with a turd, the more it stinks. Okay, that wasn't really Buddha, that was my grandma. Still, it's good advice. The boss has some kind of grudge against you and has held that grudge for more than a year. It's not going to go away. It's time to move on from that situation. Get your reference from someone else in the company, get one from your temporary position, and focus on getting a new job rather than convincing this guy to like you. You're right when you say you can only change your own perception. It sounds like the one not letting go here is you. Why are you so attached to having this person approve of you? If you actually did something wrong, then you need to accept it and deal with the consequences. If you didn't, 
then it's his grudge, not yours. Let it go. Don't be attached to anything, much less someone else's opinion of you. There's an older post on the site called The Muddy Road. It's a koan that applies here. Check it out. And next up, we have a guest post. Uh, If you or someone you know is interested in writing a guest post, or even being interviewed on the show, drop me a note. You know where to find me. This one is by Forrest Curran. Forrest is the founder of the Purple Buddha Project. He's from Tokyo, Japan. He's currently traveling the world while he spreads motivation and encouragement through his project. This one's called From New York to India. Following your dreams is essentially trying to get from one point to another. To say it in the easiest terms, basically you're at point A, your current position. And you want to get to point B, achieving your dreams. Chasing your dreams is kind of like traveling and at the same time quite the adventure. Let's say you're a dreamer from New York, and your dream was all the way in India. How would you get there? What if you didn't have the money to buy a plane ticket? People give up so quickly, and most people are going to quit the the moment they realize that they can't buy the ticket. The true dreamers stick around and realize that there's a plethora of ways to get to India besides riding a plane. One could work on a cruise from New York to Europe, then hitchhike to India. One could work for a while, then ride a boat from New York to Portugal, and then ride a motorcycle to India. One could learn French, then go to France to teach English for a while, then go to India through a ride that his friend gave him, etc. You see what I'm doing here? There are infinite ways to go from point A to point B. The only thing that this depends on is one's determination. Theoretically, if one walks all the way to Argentina from New York, because in Buenos Aires there's a free plane ticket, even if it might take that person a year or so to get there, then they will have accomplished their mission. Traveling with no money is no different than the the decision to follow a dream where the circumstances are hardly ideal. Not enough cash, don't have enough time, having self-doubt, etc. But if the dreamer makes the first step and never heads back, no matter how slow they may be going, the dreamer would be getting closer and closer to their dream. The dreamer may undergo some quite painful experiences trying to get to India, but having gone through those experiences along the journey, the dreamer would have only become a stronger version of themselves by having gone through those hardships. Be grateful of pains and mistakes made in life. It gives us a chance to learn and become a greater version of ourselves. Achieving the dream isn't necessarily the greatest of importance. It's the person one becomes along the journey to their dreams. Namaste, Forrest Curran. And now we have another email from a reader. This one's titled, Legendary Days and Holidays. A reader writes in, I'm listening to the podcast on Buddhist Christmas, and I just wanted to add one thing. Technically, Christmas is not a Christian holiday. It started in Germany from a saint, Nicholas, who gave out presents to orphans. And if you do scientific research, you can figure out that there's no evidence to when Jesus was born. 
The consensus from that time wasn't until the spring, and they have no birth record of Jesus anyway. They just have the Bible that says people were there. But it doesn't say when. Not that I found anyway. Just adding my input. Thank you for your podcast and what you have done. Okay, my response to that. There's not exactly a question in there, but I can respond anyway. As far as I know, what you say is true. I don't know of any Christians who really think December 25th is Jesus' birthday. There may be some. It doesn't matter. The best info I've heard was that Jesus was actually born in the summer. That theory also makes a lot of assumptions, but seems more realistic than December 25th does. Buddha's birthday is on May 6th in 2014, and is celebrated each year by Buddhists around the world. It's not on the same date every year, though, since calendar systems in ancient China don't match up well to our current, more accurate system. It's complicated, and the changes in calendar systems over the millennia don't help clarify the facts. Does it really matter, though? The bottom line is that details like these don't matter. Buddha didn't ask us to celebrate his birthday. Neither did Jesus, for that matter. It's just a thing we've chosen to do out of respect, or the need to celebrate, or something like that. Both of these characters have gotten to the point where, despite the facts and truth, have become essentially legendary characters. Facts don't matter so much with legends. What they said and did is what's important. When meditation isn't enough. A reader writes in, Hello, I'm a fellow Buddhist. I do have a temper and a stress problem, and always have, and have tried to work on it. I've suffered from anxiety since young adulthood, but recently, after giving birth to my son, I've been affected by what doctors think is stress-induced IBS. It causes me great pain when under stress, something inevitable with a toddler, and causes a handful of other problems. I can't just leave to meditate, and I rarely get a minute alone with a baby, and it's becoming very confusing, stressful, and devastating to deal with. I know I can't control situations, only my reaction and response to them, but with a daily and constant pain, I become unable to cope. I end up yelling or crying, getting upset at my husband when he gets home, or, as, as I'm ashamed to admit it, I get upset about my young son who only does what he does out of pure innocence. I'm very torn. I've gone to many doctors, had many surgeries and tests, taken many pills, and tried many diet changes. We have found nothing except the guess that it's stress-induced. I'm lost and not sure how to cope with this. I meditate at least once a day, but having to watch a toddler all day means I don't get much time to relax my body to help with the pain. I was wondering if there's some sort of meditation I can do while still able to watch him. I practice walking meditation when my son is outside walking around, but inside, like cooking for example, I can't cope with tripping over a baby following me, chopping food, handling hot food, watching my feet for toys and brooms he's gotten out, and trying to get the table set. The accumulation of things just kills my stomach, causes me to stress more, and gets me upset at someone in the house. I'm not sure how to handle this in an efficient way, and the only thing I really haven't tried is coping with my sudden stress because I'm not sure how. Meditation has helped me a lot with issues, 
but there's no kind that I'm aware of that I can do on the fly while watching a baby and doing whatever else it is I have to do. I hope maybe you can give me some insight to what to do when the sudden pain causes me to become blind with anger and overwhelmed. And I've got a fairly long response to this one. It comes in three parts. The first thing that popped into my mind had nothing to do with Buddhism. When I was little, my parents put me in a thing called a playpen. It was essentially a soft, safe cage for a child. It seems to me that these have gone out of fashion in modern times, as parents seem to have some aversion to not giving their child infinite freedom. If your son is continually under your feet and leaving a toys around while you're trying to work, then put him in a playpen for a few hours. Once it becomes part of his routine, he'll come to enjoy it. You'll have a lot more peace of mind. Another issue I see here is that you are never alone. Everyone needs some me time. Maybe it's used for meditation. Maybe it's used to read a book. Maybe it's to catch a nap or a movie or just take a walk at the mall. You need time away from your children and your husband too sometimes. This doesn't make you a bad mother. It makes you human. The best solution is to get a babysitter to watch your child for a few hours a week. You don't always have to get a sitter just for special events. Get one to watch your child when you go for a walk. If money is tight, try to get a family member to help. You didn't say anything about your husband trying to help. Perhaps he needs to step up a little more. The important thing is you need to get away a little bit. But since this is a Buddhist site and not one for parenting advice, I'll get onto that topic. IBS irritable bowel syndrome, for the listeners who are wondering, is a complex condition that has many potential causes and remedies, none of which are perfectly effective. From your letter, I assume you've tried various medications without success. That does leave various non-medicinal treatments that may help. Exercise in general is said to help with IBS. More specifically for this topic, you may want to look into yoga. I'm told that various positions, stretches, and exercises have been known to help in the affected areas. Again, this requires some free time on a regular basis. Personally, I'm not big on pushing meditation as a way to manage pain. Various psychogenic maladies, which are those caused by the mind or caused by stress, can be reduced through meditation, but for pain caused by actual physical problems, I prefer to be you that you are under a doctor's care. The problem with IBS is that the causes are not entirely understood. You say in your letter that you think it's stress-related, so let's work with that. The first thing I would do is work to get rid of so much stress. Don't worry about coping with it. Worry about reducing it. Meditation is all well and good, but reducing your existing stress is far easier and faster and probably more important at this stage. My first two points, the playpen and getting some me time, above address the, that issue to some extent. I get the impression that you want to take up meditation in order to allow you to deal with a growing stress in your life. It seems to me you're just trying to dig a, big, a bigger hole to fit more stress in. Your goal should be eliminating stress, not enabling yourself to deal with more of it. And last up, 
When Buddhism Fails Me, talking about abusive relationships. A reader writes in, Hi, my partner has issues with anger and deep regrets in his life. He says that if he hadn't met me, his life would be completely different and he would have been a success. He seems full of hate at times and says terrible things about me and his family, and goes into a rage and I feel scared. He has little contact with any friends and seems bitter and resentful. I feel guilty because maybe it's true, and even though I didn't intend to cause him harm, he seems desperately unhappy with his life with me. I'm a nurse and work hard to provide for us. We have a ten-year-old beautiful daughter, and we live in a nice house in a picturesque location. This, he says, is a trap, and wishes he had a more exciting, adventurous life. He doesn't work, as he can't seem to find an ordinary job. I forgive him time and time again for his behavior and insulting things he says. I try to be compassionate and understand that he must be in pain. I worry for my daughter having to see him being very aggressive and bullying. His doctor says he probably has bipolar disorder and needs medication. My partner says he wants $50,000 from me to start a new life, which I've said he can have if I add it to the mortgage. I don't know if he'll really leave. Do you think this man has been sent to me to test my ego and for me to learn loving kindness? And how does my daughter fit into this? Is it fair on her? Thank you for any response. I truly appreciate it. And I wrote my response about two weeks before I actually posted it online. It doesn't sound especially charitable, but after a couple of weeks of thinking about it, I have a really hard time changing anything. Maybe you guys can school me a little bit on this one. I teach college and hear this kind of story regularly from my female students. What part of my Buddhism do I draw on in this case? None. Sometimes a little down-to-earth, tough love tr trumps enlightenment. Uh, your words are, do you think this, this man has been sent to me to test my ego and for me to learn loving-kindness? No, I think this man has found you because he's a leech. He does not work as he can't seem to do an ordinary job. I see how you didn't mention any kind of physical disability. I repeat, he's a leech. This, he says, is a trap and wishes he had a more exciting, adventurous life. And my response is, homelessness is very adventurous. I'd recommend you help him on his way there. I worry for my daughter having to see him being very aggressive and bullying. And you should. You didn't say he hits you, but abuse comes in many forms. My partner says he wants $50,000 from me to start a new life. And I think that sounds like blackmail. I would start the divorce proceedings and see if you end up owing him that much. I suspect not. If you aren't married, then there are other options a restraining order, throwing him out, etc. Between letters like yours and stories from my own students, more and more I just cannot understand why women stay in abusive relationships. You say you are the breadwinner in the house, so you aren't dependent on him. Why, why would you keep this up? If there's no real way to get rid of him, get yourself and your daughter out of there. Move. I know. I'm sorry I have nothing particularly Buddhist to say today on this one. Maybe the listeners can, can assist with that.
Okay, and that's all I have for you this week. If you have a question on any Buddhism-related topic, send in your questions by email at dailybuddhism at gmail.com or go to the website and click on the voicemail tab. The show primarily depends on users like you to send in questions, so send in your questions. The Daily Buddhism also runs off donations, and it's easy to help out. I'm trying something new now. If you listen to lots of other podcasts, you may have heard about something called Patreon. It's a new way to support podcasts and content creators like me. Check it out at dailybuddhism.com slash Patreon. And I will see you next week. <laughs>